First City Focus is supported in part by First Vincent Savings Bank, a community lender committed to making loan decisions locally, online at frsb.net. Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan, online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities, online at duke-energy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to First City Focus. I'm your host, Nicole Carey. On this episode, purple pumpkins have been spread throughout our local community, all in an effort to bring awareness to domestic violence. We'll find out how Hope's Voice is using the month of October to spotlight its mission. Knox County once again played host to the American Police Canine Association's National Conference earlier this month. We'll take a look at how these special canine units serve their communities across the country. The VU women's basketball team is preparing to hit the court for their new season, with head coach Harry Meeks leading the way in his third decade at the helm. And spooky season is upon us. We'll take an inside look at what draws people in looking for the thrill of being scared. But don't close your eyes because we have all of these stories and more right now on First City Focus. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and while progress has been made in recent years to reduce the stigma that can prevent victims from reaching out for help, the work continues to educate the public on prevention as well as resources that are available. And that is where Hope's Voice of Knox and Davies County plays an important role. Joining me now from Hope's Vo Voice is Kathy Bush and Kelsey Carr. Thanks for being here today. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Um, for anyone who might not be aware of Hope's Voice and what you guys do, why don't you just kind of explain the mission behind Hope's Voice? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Kathy. Well, we're here to offer services for domestic violence and sexual assault in both Knox and Davies County. We work with survivors. We work with males and females both. And then we also work in the area of human trafficking and stalking. So those are our two other areas that we offer services for. Okay. Um, as I mentioned off the top of the show, uh, this time of year is known for pumpkins. It's, it's, it's fall, going into Halloween. But Hope's Voice has kind of taken a hold of the month and has spread purple pumpkins throughout our community. Tell us about this campaign and how it got started and what it means to see all these purple pumpkins out in our area. Sure, well a couple years ago we worked with a local farmer, Moves and Brother Farms, and they donated some pumpkins to us so we decided then to paint them purple and we would decorate them. We have a volunteer that comes in and she decorates them with flowers and makes them beautiful and then we take them to all businesses and different organizations that would like to participate and so they're like a, a start conversation start if someone goes into a business, they can ask, why do you have a purple pumpkin? And that business can help also spread awareness by talking about Hope's Voice and domestic violence. I know um, you can see the photos on your social media. Uh, the United Way Day of Caring uh, featured a lot of volunteers coming out to help paint these pumpkins purple. What did it mean to you guys at Hope's Voice to see this uh, sense of community coming out to help be part of this campaign? It was wonderful. Wonderful to have them choose us to come and participate and just being there helping do that. And then the volunteers that help deliver, the volunteers that help 
um, you know, have them at their business. It's just wonderful to see the community be a part of helping with awareness campaigns. Um, also this month, um, you guys have an online auction um, to where people uh, can participate in called Bidding for Hope. Tell us about uh, this online auction and, and what folks can, can take part in. Well, we started about eight years ago. It was called Dining for Hope. It was, a, it was an in-person event, but then we had COVID, so we went to an online format, and we decided to continue that this year. So we have lots of sponsors, agency sponsors that help with, with it, and then we have lots of businesses that have donated items. So we're gonna have lots of packages. You can go online. There's a link on our Facebook page of Hope's Voice of Knox and Davies County, and then they can link to the auction site and bid for the entire week from October 20th to the 27th. Okay, and uh, the community support of this campaign, what does that mean for Hope's Voice once once the online auction is closed and you can see all the donations that have come in? Yeah, so we're mostly grant funded. So a lot of, um, there's a lot of restrictions as it comes to what we can do with that money. So a lot of times we, uh, find that victims or survivors of domestic violence, sexual assault will come in and need resources, so food or things that traditional traditional grants will not pay for. So mm -hmm. those donations go directly into our clients. Um, we purchase uh, non-perishable food items, maybe bed sheets or things that they need for a new house. Um, and we also help secondary victims as well, such as children. So they may need some things for their room or they may need um, some help with daycare. Um, it all is funneled back into our clients. So we appreciate all the donations and the community support. Absolutely. Um, and there's some other campaigns that are going on this month as well. Yes, we have some campaigns with local businesses. Um, pizza, uh, local pizza place, Bob's on Main, they're going to have stickers on their boxes all month. Also, at Fossmeyer's Donuts, they have donut stickers that are that have our phone number on it. And also, we're doing some stuff at the coffee shops at Coconut Joe's, Java Joe's, and Impress Coffee. They'll ha you'll see stickers. So they're just part of helping spread awareness. And there's only a couple, you know, staff that can get out and do this. So it really helps to have volunteers and businesses to help with that. Yes. Um, and of course, October allows you to shine a brighter spotlight, a concentrated spotlight on what you guys do at Hope's Voice. Um, but your mission, it's every day of the year, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if uh, domestic violence and sexual assault only happen between the hours of eight and five, we know that it's happening all the time. Um, we have staff on call 24 seven and our volunteers are really wonderful. Um, help us with the hotline calls. Okay. Um, I know uh, you have the uh, saying, everyone knows someone mm -hmm. um, yes. that you use as Hope's Voice. And that really is true. What, what have you seen in our community especially? Well, we know that people think that they say it doesn't happen to them, but then they have a family member that comes forward and says, I've been a victim or I'm a survivor. And they find out that it has affected them because they have family members. They might have a coworker um, that is, is a victim. So they, they, there's someone in their life that's, that's affected. Mm -hmm. um, I know here recently we had the national uh, alert system tested um, some folks may not understand what that means to those uh, that sometimes uh, victims of uh, domestic violence might have a, a security phone that their abuser doesn't know about. And it was important for them to know that day to have, have that phone shut off. There's other things that, that those that aren't affected by domestic violence 
you may not realize that these victims face every day. How does Hope's Voice help educate and kind of intercept to try to empower uh, victims? Yeah, so when that happened, we were very diligent about reaching out to our clients and saying, hey, this test is going to go off at this time. If you have, you know, a phone that you're hiding, please make sure that it's off. And that would be something that to you and me is just kind of an annoying test alert, right? But to someone else, that could be you know, a life or death situation. Um, so we were very diligent about getting that information out. In addition, on our website, if you visit hopesvoiceindiana.org, there's an option that you can immediately escape that website. Um, so it makes it easy if somebody's looking online for help and their abuser walks in at the same time, they can easily click mm-hmm. that button. It takes them back to a regular Google page. Um, so that's a nice security feature we have in place, as well as if you suspect um, domestic violence or something happening to someone that you don't know very well, and you think that maybe it wasn't a great place to give them information and talk to them, we have cards that have um, a just blanket business name on it. Mm-hmm. It looks like just a regular business card, but really it's information for Hope's Voice so that if an abuser did find it in her purse or his purse or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they wouldn't think anything of it. Um, so it doesn't cause any flags or alarms, and it's a safe way that they can reach out. How do you feel um, social media can be used as a positive tool to help reach victims where they're at? Um, It seems that everyone's on social media. I know a lot of folks can have negative things to say about social Mm -hmm. media. How does Hope's Voice use this as a tool to help reach those victims? I think we use it as a platform for lots of education and awareness. We tend to post a lot of things um, for people to read that can go in there and, and read if they're following us about different topics such as protective orders or other resources that they might want. And then they can also reach out to um, if they need help and they can't make a, that phone call, they can reach out on our, on our Facebook page and message us so that they can get help. Okay. Um, as each of you have gotten involved with Hope's Voice, uh, what is something that you have learned that kind of took you by surprise or even just reaffirmed uh, your mission in, in helping these victims? Um, one thing for me, especially because I didn't initially um, come into the DV world, um, I kind of got thrown into it and I love it and it's great. Um, but one thing I realized is that it does happen. Um, I think I was a little bit blind to the fact that it is as prevalent as it is, even in a small community. Um, we get a lot of cases, I mean, influx, and sometimes mm-hmm. we have dead months, and that's fine too, but uh, it, it definitely happens a lot more than I expected. Um, and we have such good community support here. Um, everybody is willing to lend a helping hand, and we really appreciate our community. Okay. Everybody can be on the lookout for those purple pumpkins. And of course, the online auction goes through the 28th. So uh, looking forward to seeing the community response and the support uh, for Hope's Voice. Thanks for being here today. Thank you you for having us. For more information on Hope's Voice, visit our website, vincennespbs.org. Earlier this month, the Knox County Sheriff's Office hosted the 2023 APCA Canine Nationals. The event featured more than 20 police canine teams participating in efforts to earn their yearly certifications. News Director Dave Foster and photojournalist Dave Novak show us the unique partnership that exists between law enforcement and man's best friend. It's a connection that dates back to the early 1900s in the U.S. An officer and their dog. The American Police Canine Association Canine Nationals are held each year, and 2023 marked the fourth time they were in Vincennes. 
It's a time when these partners and teams get the required yearly training and credentials and take a little bit of time to show off. During their stay, the teams from several states paraded through the Vincennes City streets on their way to give a First City audience a free demonstration. Hey, Fred. Major James Wehrman is the K-9 officer supervisor for the Knox County Sheriff's Department and was the MC at the event, educating us about what these animals do when they protect and serve. We always say that a lot of times those, those dogs are guardians of the night, you know, why, you know, people are, you know, restfully sleeping. These dogs are out making sure that, you know, they're checking all the alarms or checking buildings. Uh, they, they replace a human life. Um, nobody wants to see a, a dog get killed, but... Uh, a dog's replaceable, but human life isn't. So that's that's the biggest asset that we have and the community has that we don't have to send hum- a human life into a dangerous situation. This is what those dogs train for, and that's what they're you know they're placed on the departments for. So most dogs are trained in multiple disciplines, and others have specialized skills. They're taught to sniff out illegal substances and other articles, as well as track fugitives. One of the most popular demonstrations for the public is always the taking down of a suspect. <laughs> Major Wehrman says his hope during events like this is that the public comes to learn about the dedication these officers have and just what the dogs are capable of doing. There's a lot of hours that they're away from their families, and, and uh, that's just something I think the public needs to realize and remember when they see these officers out working or doing their demos or demonstrations, and you know, because they do give a lot back to the community. You know, it's almost a 50-50. 50% of the time the dogs are working as police officers, and 50% of the time they're out, you know, with Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts or at the schools doing demos. So. You know, they do give back a lot to the community with these dogs. The Knox County Sheriff's Department in Vincennes has three police dog teams, one to cover every shift, which was a goal that Sheriff Doug Vantlin had when he took office in 2019. Back then, there was only one team. Sheriff Vantlin says they are a valued resource, not only for his department, but for law enforcement throughout the region. Well, we're at the place now where other agencies from other counties who do not have as many canine units are calling us for assistance from time to time. That just tells you how big of a, a tool that is, uh, having a canine on your department. Each one of these canines is a huge investment of upwards to fifteen dollars to $20,000 each. But that's really a priceless expenditure when it comes to protecting lives and property. Yes, uh, the payback is uh, as far as fighting crime and getting drugs off the street, finding people. Yes, the payback is, is well worth it. And there's not much downtime. The three dogs in Knox County are busy on a daily basis. They take calls and then they officer initiate. So, I mean, they're always, they're always working, they're always doing something. Um, you know, state police is always asking for, for dogs on traffic stops. Uh, you know, when city police doesn't have their uh, canine available or isn't on duty, then, you know, we're picking up, the, picking up the slack for them there. You know, I mean, we don't tell anybody no. If they need a canine, we send them. So as you go about your daily routine and lay down at night, take time to think about all those who are looking out for you and the words of a particular canine prayer, which says, I am the nose and ears of my officer. I protect and serve it. I would die for him and for you. I only ask for compassion and a kind word. For First City Focus and photojournalist Dave Novak, I'm Dave Foster. 
The Knox County Sheriff's Canine Unit is completely funded through donations. To find out how you can help support the Canine Unit, visit our website, vincennespbs.org. As the autumn air turns colder, area gyms are starting to heat up. And that's definitely the case at Vincennes University, as the women's basketball team is preparing for its upcoming season. Our new digital content producer, Nicole Cardano-Hillary, and photojournalist Dave Novak take us inside the VUPE complex to see what drives head coach Harry Meeks, who is in his third decade at the helm. Go. You want me to get another one? Hall of Fame and all-time winningest coach Harry Meeks has made a name for himself at Vincennes University with the women's basketball team. Coach Meeks tells us about how he got into coaching and his philosophy throughout his 33 years at VU. I, I started out setting myself up to be a coach and a college coach for uh, a long, long time. I've coached at Virginia Tech, University of Cincinnati, uh, Western Carolina University at the Division I men's level. And I loved it, but uh, I had two young daughters at the time, and the recruiting was just unbearable for, for them. Uh, one of my daughters asked me one day, Daddy, are you ever going to be home? And uh, I quit my Western Carolina job the next day. Uh, I, it broke my heart. He was a high school boys coach in Alabama before coming to VU and heading over to the women's side of basketball. While at uh, Western Car Carolina University, uh, I c got to coach girls. We had a really good basketball camp uh, for women there, and I got to coach an all-star team out of uh, South Carolina. We traveled up and down the East Coast and played. Uh, so I, that's how I became interested in it. Uh, and I coached my daughter and from that, uh, that age. In 33 years of coaching, he narrowed down one of his favorite moments, which took him back in time to his earlier years. I think the most exciting thing, uh, when I was at Virginia Tech, we played in the NIT and going to Madison Square Garden and being, uh, being able to play on the floor there, and we played Alabama. So it was a great game. Uh, some All-Americans on both teams, and uh, it was just a lot of fun, and I thought, geez, you know, I really like this. I need to stay with it. When asked about his coaching philosophy, he had no hesitation on what he felt was the most important component for his players to take away from the game. My philosophy is to be nice to everyone, uh, try to win as many basketball games as I can, and get the young ladies out of here and on to uh, a four-year institution if they so desire. I try to make it fun for them to play here. And at various times, not quite as tight as I should be, but I don't want to overdo that portion of the coaching part. I think you ought to have fun. Yeah. Players that had played for Coach Meeks back in the day still call him and keep in contact with him. There are some specific ones that stand out to him even after all the years. Jazz McGee. Yeah. Jazz, she played for me and was really, she was a player of the year in junior college. Wow. She was exceptional. With that, with her athleticism, uh, she could stand flat-footed on the floor under the rim, jump up and grab it, chin up. With a great goal in mind, he gives us an idea of how long he will be continuing his coaching career. As long as my health hangs out, I'm going to be here. Uh, I have a, a goal in mind. I'd like to win 800 games, and I'm seven-something now. 
but I'd like to win 800 games here before I hang it up. So it'd probably be a couple more years, and then I'm going to go play with the, the grandchildren. For First City Focus, I'm Nicole Cardano-Hillary with photojournalist David Novak. The VU Women's Home Opener is set for 5 p.m. on Wednesday, November 15th against Brescia. You can find their complete schedule by following a link on our website. Well, tis the season for crisp fall nights and for many, the opportunity to either be scared or to be the one inducing the scare. As we inch closer to Halloween, several attractions in our area promise varying levels of a fun or frightening experience. Our very own Parker Green shows us what could be lurking around a corner near you. For those who are on the hunt for an ultimate scare this October, look no further than downtown Vincennes. Abattoir Haunted Attraction has been frightening the local population for the past few years. Located on 2nd Street in Vincennes, Abattoir has been open on weekends throughout October since 2020. Being a natural connoisseur of all things scary, I of course wanted to see this year's attraction. But I also wanted to learn more about what goes into the art and the business of scaring people. Owner Marshall Davis shares the process that goes into building Abattoir. I work on it all year, yeah. Um, not all day, every day, um, but um, like the last two months I've been in here pretty much all day, every day, like 8 to 10 or midnight. So um, I do have um, th some people that help me and they're like so grateful to have them because this would be like a major arduous task to uh, endure if I were doing it on my own, but thank God I'm not. In order to have the opportunity to be part of the scare, there's an entire audition phase for hiring actors. There's an interview process. We interview everyone, just kind of trying to figure out their experience and um, their uh, whatever their prowess is, and we try to apply that to the roles, and then that helps us select them for the roles. And then we'll do like a little test run, see how they do. Some do, some don't. And then uh, those that do get in here. And then so like last Friday, we had our test run. So we kind of actually get them with a cross section of different folks and just kind of see how they interact because every crowd's different. So you kind of have to learn how to read the crowd. Throughout a season, the frightening attraction often receives repeat visitors. To prevent predictability, Marshall changes up the scenery. So some of the rooms, so if you come in at the beginning of the season and you come in later in the season, it's going to hit a little different. So we, we usually mix up some of the rooms, like mid-season, because like you asked earlier, yes, we do have people that come back every week. So I kind of do that for those patrons because it, it adds, you know, it hits a little different when some of the rooms are mixed around. They're like, yeah, and then you go this, or no, you don't go this way. And then you go, it's like, wait, that wasn't there. So, And then, like, each, some of the rooms we try to have, like, different scares. So it's not the same every time. So we, we kind of give the actors the ability to mix up the scare. Um, one, kind of reading the crowd, like I mentioned earlier. And two, just so it's, it's not the same every time. With a large revolving door of guests, Marshall often sees many reactions from those who enter his attraction. You know, it just depends on, like I said, the crowd. I mean, you, you got some people that are just super diehard. They want to come in here. They're, they're more interested in seeing the, the room set up, quality of props, things like that. So they're, they're more just like like they're going to an art exhibit or whatnot. Then you get the people that barely open their eyes the whole time they're in here and they're just running. So, um, and then um, you'll get the folks that don't make it through. So we, we've had, uh, uh, 
I'd say maybe 5%, like last year it didn't. We, we had one girl that walked in and then walked right back out. Even the creator of these frightful scenes will tell you that his own handiwork can give him a spook. <laughs> like when you're tired and you're here at midnight and you forget to turn something off and you're, you know, it's like, okay, I got this done, I got this done, and then da, 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 and you walk by and something's like, and you're just like, it's not really like scared, it's more irritated than anything because you're like, why didn't I turn that off? And when it's all said and done, Marshall explains there's a simple reason behind the thrill-seeking that folks go through in attractions like Abattoir. Same reason people scroll on their phones, man. They're just looking for something that's not every day. They're looking for to release some endorphins. They're looking for something to invigorate, excite them. So I would say that it would probably correlate to that. For First City Focus, I'm Parker Green. There are many events and attractions scheduled in our local area through the end of October. Just visit our website for a link to more information. And now for our final focus. The fall harvest has been going at full throttle for several weeks now, thanks to favorable weather. Let's take in some of the sights and sounds as local farmers work tirelessly to get their fall crop into storage or off to market. And that's all for this edition of First City Focus. For everyone here at Vincent's PBS, I'm Nicole Carey. We'll see you again next week. First City Focus is supported in part by First Vincent's Savings Bank, a community lender committed to making loan decisions locally, online at frsb.net. Good Samaritan, a regional health care center offering a variety of services from primary care to same-day joint replacement surgery and more. Good Samaritan online at gshvin.org. Duke Energy, powering the lives of its customers and communities online at duke-energy.com. And by Vincent's PBS members, thank you.